the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Tegno alongside my co-host and Director of Scouting of 24-7 Sports, Andrew Ivins. And Drew, we did it. We reeled in our first big fish. No disrespect to Bruce Feldman and, and Lance Erline, but our first head coach guest, Mario Cristobal of the Miami Hurricanes. Pretty fired up for this one, Drew. Yeah. Big time guest. You came through on this one. Uh, I had no doubt that you were going to get him at some point on the line, but we've been on standby for uh, like what, 24 hours. You're just telling me to be ready, ready to go. We're on, we're on Mario's time. So I'm fired up. Hey, we talk about it all the time. SWAT team mentality. You got to be ready for anything. You got to be ready to adjust, adapt. I got about, you know, I got to, I got to give a lot of credit to his SID who was just like, Hey dude, this could happen. Anytime, can you do 7 a.m. 20 minutes later? He's like, Can you hit me up at 11? I said, Hey, just let us know. Here's the link. We'll jump on there. We'll get it done. So we got it done. Great interview with Mario Cristobal, head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, coming up. Wide ranging topics. We talk everything from new coordinator hires to his process and the hiring process. We talk a little bit about a couple of the early enrollees, including Emory Williams, Sam- Samson Okanlola, Francis Malagar, Ruben Bain, and a lot more. And then also, we close out getting his thoughts on, hey, is there a trend of these collegiate coaches in a little bit of a fallout from the grueling recruiting calendar and his thoughts on that? Here's our interview with head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, Mario Cristobal. We are now joined by the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, Mario Cristobal. Coach, it's been a while. Good to see you again, brother. Hey, I want to know, do you still have the same routine? Is the Cuban coffee different in Miami? Did you get a workout in? And how many players and families did you text this morning? That's what I want to know. It, it's 11 o'clock Eastern time, so I know you're yeah. you're probably uh, hovering around, what, 75? It's like the early evening by now for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the coffee is different. This is, you know, we're closer to the motherland of the best coffee in the world. So all in all, it's uh, the routine is the same. So it is certainly a high-octane operation. It's blessed to be around some awesome dudes. You know, you, you were part of that, man. You were, you know, you, you were ready to, you were ready to get, get me out. <laughs> you were ready to calm me down and get me off the coffee. I tried, man. I tried, you know, but that's a, uh, that's a difficult task. Coach, it's been, it's been a busy off season for you. And I just wanted to ask you straight off the bat. I mean, how do you, how do you balance two new coordinators, a couple new position hires, and then, you know, the vision for you building this team, and it's a talent acquisition business. We used to talk about it all the time, right, in terms of being able to stack this talent year in and year out, and that's the number one goal for you. But being able to balance that with hires and the amount of uh, staffing turnover that had to take place this season, what's that been like for you going into year two at Miami? 
Well, I think, you know, and uh, obviously we had a chance to work together. So, you know, that you, you really want to be prepared every offseason for turnover. And on both your roster, the way the transfer portal works nowadays. And certainly with, um, you know, the college calendar is so busy that you you're expecting some NFL departures too. you know, the, the grass is a little bit greener sometimes now in the NFL due to the different calendar. So but also in analyzing what we have to do, you know, we um, we had to make some changes philosophically as we continue to build our program to what we want it to be. And, you know, being able to to get a guy like Lance Gidry to come and be our defensive coordinator, um, that's hard to do because a guy like that, you've seen him statistically, he's a top five guy in just about every important category as it relates to knocking people back, preventing people from scoring points, getting the ball back, forcing turnovers, negative plays. Um, but even more so, it was important to get like connectors, you know, high energy, high octane guys that there's no task too small. And, um, you know, they got to they gotta fit with your philosophy. And I believe strongly in that he's been exceptional. And then on the on the flip side, a guy that, man, I came across like 12 years ago. I remember being at FIU where you got to conduct interviews like on like Walmart parking lots, man, because you can't you can't make everybody go to the convention. You have enough funds to be able to set up people at hotels. So and Shannon Dawson was a guy that I've watched over the years and uh, he had shown he could do it on the ground. I think he had one of the top 10 rushes of all time. And yet he was able to to take in the air raid system and yet combine it with a downhill run game and produce top players, um, top performers, explosive plays, uh, ungodly numbers, um, while at the same time understanding that there's times where there has to be balance and sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to go score. So, uh, and even and even more importantly, like Lance, high uh, high octane elite human being, man. You know, so we've been blessed. There's some more guys you've probably seen a couple of the hires that we've had recently. And, you know, we're lucky being at Miami. People want to be here. And uh, I feel really strongly that we've got the right ones. Mario, you, you I mean, you kind of touched on this with Lance and Shannon. You know, anything that really stood out in this interview process with them? And I, I guess with Shannon, you know, balanced offense, but he does like to throw it around. We saw what he did with Clayton Toon. You know, you got a pretty good quarterback there and Tyler Van Dyke. So, you know, what do you think he could do maybe for, for TVD? Yeah, it fits where we are roster-wise. It really does. You know, what stood out with him was juice, knowledge, personality. He's going to be able to connect with everybody here already has. He's got these guys practicing and performing at a high level as we head into spring ball. And it's because he inspires and motivates belief in the system. He's done it with guys similar to what we've had. And now we've fortified this offensive line where we look very different up front right now. You know, this was a, a massive overhaul of the trenches, as well as a tight end spot to be able to do better to see in the D gaps, uh, along with a guy that has slung it around really, really well. So it's a great combination. I'd love for you guys to talk to Tyler Van Dyke so he could fill you in himself on how excited he is. And, you know, yeah, man, he, he looks he looks very different. And um, we just we just want to keep our mouth shut and work and not get in all the other stuff. But the excitement is high for the right reasons. Coach, I want to talk about this 2023 signing class ranked in the top 10, finished number seven. Really talented, a lot of places to start. But I want to start with the quarterback, Emory Williams. I know you and I kind of talked over the offseason, mm -hmm. and you hit me up. You said, have you watched this dude? You know, I got to see him work out. And I know as you went through the process, uh, you start to kind of really admire him more and more. He's on campus right now. Can you talk a little bit about 
the evaluation process with Emory Williams and the conviction for you guys to pull the trigger. And obviously there's a lot of confidence in, in you and Emory Williams and his future in the program. No, without a doubt, you know, and I appreciate, you know, your, uh, your feedback on him. I know you had a chance to watch him though. What stuck out about him is that, you know, when you looked at him completion percentage wise, it was solid, but then you jump on the tape and you realize, well, this guy's, He's slinging around really, really good. He understands protections. He's going to the, the right place with the ball. He's making good decisions. Sometimes his supporting cast can't catch up with him, you know, and you have to take that into account. And his throws aren't bubbles and, and screens. He's getting the ball down the field, you know. So we had to bring him in, saw his GPA was off the charts, heard all kinds of great things. And when we had camp, it was uh, it was quite a performance now. And I think he duplicated that at the Elite 11 as well. Um, and his desire, his hunger to just perfect example. They had a game that was rained out, lightning storm, and I mean, all his guys wanted to go home. That that guy kept them in the gym, you know, and made them just go through the entire game. Almost had his own practice, right? If they lost a the game, man, he was torn apart like you could never, like you want your competitors to be. In other words, he had all the right stuff. So, brother, he is um, he's exactly what we look for in a quarterback. Feedback I've heard on him, like he's a film junkie, get him a whiteboard, loves it. And his highlight tape, if you watch it, you know, he breaks down the play before it happens. I've never seen anything like it. Mario, you, you, you keep bringing up the offensive line, rebuilding that. Obviously, the two kind of gems of the class, and it's a really talented and deep class, but it's the offensive lineman, Malagoa, uh, Pancake Concho, Sampson. You know, what do you see in these two? Do you think they could be on the field in, in 2023? And I mean, do they compare to some of these other linemen that you've played as freshmen in the past uh, at previous stops there at Oregon and, and Alabama? Oh, yeah. No, they, they certainly do. They, they really, I mean, um, you know, it's called what it is. You can't run plays unless you can block people, man. I mean, there's some beautiful things run up in these playbooks, right? And if those guys up front ain't putting their bodies and hands on people, those you might as well take those papers and throw them away. These guys are that. They're uh, – they're long, athletic, explosive. They're here. We still have a couple guys that ain't here yet. Frankie isn't here to allow, and neither is uh, Tommy Kinzer, which are two monstrosities, a couple of human eclipses there. I mean, but these guys are here as well as Antonio Tripp, and then Javion Cohen is here as well as um, as Matt Lee. So, and the guys that you mentioned, yeah, they're they're about as elite a freshman as, as you can as you can find. They're they're six five and a half plus up to maybe six six and a half. Uh, teetering on seven they're both in the 325 to 335 range their body fats were really good they were impressive they were at 18 4 and 18 i had the paper here i want to give you the exact details 18 4 and 18 9 i won't say who was chubb and who so we'll get on about that but uh and then their um uh, their gps numbers their ability to retain information their ability to drill transfer you know to actual like reps out there while they're working out doing stuff is really, really impressive. Powerful guys, smart guys. They'll be in the mix. and They're getting great mentorship from older guys like Inez Cooper, who was a gem from last year. Cooper, remember him. All right. Pleasant Grove, Alabama and uh, Jalen Rivers. And those guys are doing a great job with these young cats. Coach, I want to follow up on on Francis Malagoa because Andrew and I have kind of talked about this a little bit. And, you know, it, he, he comes over to IMG and he kind of gets this raw label early as like a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And then I see him last year at the Future 50, same with Andrew and the rest of our 
rest of our staff and you're like, I'm like, this guy's not raw. He's a technician. He's got great feet, super sound, really good body quickness. He's a nasty dude. He was probably the best player there at the future 50. And similar to a guy you used to coach who got drafted in the in, in the top 10 of the NFL draft in Pinay Sewell. He's not bad. He's not a, lot of, a lot of people thought that that guy would potentially be a right tackle, right? After seeing Malagoa in person, I was like, okay, I don't really have any questions about him being able to play the left side. When you think about those two guys, like when, when you watch Francis Malagoa, do you see some shades of, of Pinay Sewell and, and kind of compare and contrast where he is in his development uh, in terms of where Pinay was? Because Pinay, as we all know, I mean, was elite uh, day one at Oregon. Well, I think both these guys are five position guys. We cross-train everybody. It's a pretty unique approach to offensive line development because, like you just mentioned, Coop, he came to us, people saying it's a right tackle. Day two in practice, we call his dad, look, we need him to try left, whether he's comfortable or not. And he never looked back. But when the Lions pick him, they tap him on the shoulder and say, you got to move back to right tackle. So Coach Mirabal does a great job, you know, cross-training those guys. Um, man, uh, how, how do they compare? They're, they're, as, they're as high end as it gets for a lot of different reasons, mostly because of the mentality. But I, the funniest part about Francis, this you're, you're going to get a kick out of this. So he comes and sees us at Oregon, right? Panay's there, Panay's family's there, and he's a three technique. That's what he was. He was a three technique. And in the middle of a photo shoot, he says, Coach, come here. And he goes, I want to show you something. And he gets in a left tackle stance, you know. And I can see the defensive coach's heart just, just dropping to the ground, and I'm just double fist. Let's go, you know. Uh, he wanted to be an offensive lineman. Um, but it goes to show you, if you have offensive linemen that can be elite defensive linemen, you're probably you're probably setting yourself up for a really bright future in the trenches. But you mentioned all the things, balance, body control, power, ability to redirect, and, and some that you know you probably never see on the checklist for uh, for criteria, critical factors, and in um, assessing offensive linemen is recoverability. I mean, these guys can can get in really bad body positions, awkward positions due to a false step, being laid off the ball, and they could get a foot in the ground to hand on and recover. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. But, yeah, they remind me of those elite guys when they were young. Not the, not the first time you'd flipped a defensive lineman to the offensive side of the ball, but, Coach, it won't be the last either. Hey, Ruben Bain, I want to talk a little bit about him. Um know you love this kid you know when, when you turn on the tape it's like excellent first step plays with the violence plays fast but he plays under control and he's got an elite motor i mean i i think we thought best in the country there was maybe one other guy peter woods and i'm sure you're familiar with but we love this kid and and for for you guys i think this is a dude that is now that he's on campus you you would be able to tell us this but he seems like he's ready to contribute pretty early on is that the right assessment there are we in the neighborhood yeah you i agree with you 100 he's about 270 pounds right now and the motors what really stuck out right away because um you know he always he always gives me flack man because he beat my high school columbus and he was the one that had a sack on the final drive so i gotta live with that you know what's super saying lets me know about that too but ruben is when you relentless defines him like this guy is really technically advanced and he is naturally powerful. You know, you, you know the drills you do early on, right? In these, these stations is this winter conditioning program is how hard and how powerful it could come out of their hips and land on those mats. 
I mean, this guy's like a, he's like a rocket ship. Explosive power and very, very heavy-handed, light-footed, transition really well. I mean, from, uh, you know, when he gets blocked uh, in the run game and play acts transition to his pass uh, move stuff, he's really, he's really impressive. Coach, Nathaniel Joseph, I, I, he's also enrolled, right? He's already on campus. Uh, you know, when I watched Houston last year, the guy that I, you always saw was was Tank Dell, the receiver. I think he had 32 touchdowns uh, the past three years in that in that Dawson offense. And, you know, I he's so similar to Nathaniel Joseph. Like, do you guys see that comp? I mean, are you fired up about him? And, and really yeah. kind of the, the perimeter playmakers you brought in, in in general, Robbie Washington, all those guys. Without a doubt, you know, Ray Ray, Ray Ray resembles guys like Tank. Tank's an elite guy now. I mean, his lateral quickness and ability to redirect is off the charts. But we felt Robbie and Ray Ray, Ray Ray and Robbie, I mean, we felt they were the best in the country at playing slot. And they have versatility. They play outside as well. So we thought that we had hit a home run with them. And, and then, you know, back to this kind of goes back to the first question about the office coordinator hire is if you have an exciting offense at the University of Miami, Wow, things change in a hurry, right? I mean, just go back and throw on tape and, and Google certain dates and whatnot. What really identified Miami Miami offense? It was explosive, it was powerful in the running game, but stretched the field and made big plays in the passing game. And we brought in a coordinator and identified some players that could make that happen. So um, we expect like really, really strong results this spring that are going to carry us over into the fall, into the summer, I should say, first and the fall that are going to allow us to really, I would say, um, just show the type of offense and team that we can be. Those guys you mentioned, those guys are a big part of it. Those guys take a hitch and instead of second and seven and second and five, it's, you know, call on the PAT team, right? And then kick the ball off. So, and that's Miami's football has been defined by that for a long, long time. The Santana Mosses and Reggie Waynes and Andre Johnson's. And I got to mention Kevin Beard now that we hired him. You know what I mean? He's not as fast as those guys are. Well, Coach, on, on Kevin Beard, you also got Tim Harris Jr. there. Both those guys have have ties to South Florida. How fired up are you to have them on staff? And obviously, you guys recruit well in the backyard. But you know, anytime I talk to anyone down here, Tim's name comes up as as a guy. So, what what, what do you think he's going to do for you guys? And, and from a recruiting standpoint, and, and you know, running backs. These are these are self made guys that have independently. You know, aside from their connections and being associated with the University of Miami, they have independently groomed and worked themselves into being great coaches, great mentors, great leaders of men. And this is their dream, a lot like me. You know, so there's some parallels there. And I think it's important that we surround ourselves and our players with people that are like minded, high achieving mentalities that will commit themselves and sacrifice all for the betterment of the team. Yeah, these guys are real ones, man. You know, and I kind of like it when you when you look out there and you're practicing, you're having workouts, and your coaches run as fast as some of your players. You know, it's important to bring that energy every single day. Coop used to do that out there at Oregon, man. He used to fly right by some of the slow workouts in practice. You know, there, there is no way that is accurate. <laughs> I've never left my office, man. You, you can't be chained up in there. No, absolutely not. Hey, um, coach, you know, like. When, when we were at Oregon, our philosophy, your philosophy was like, hey, we, we just got to hoard the big bodies on the West Coast, right? Because they came out of premium. There weren't a lot of them, right? So if you went to California, you went to Arizona, so on and so forth, you would build in an advantage in the trenches. When you assembled this roster over the next couple of years, is there a thought or two or maybe a philosophy in mind that you say, 
okay, not only is this is how we're going to get back on top of the ACC, but this is how we're going to bring Miami back to a national championship standard. How do you want to build this roster to compete for the long haul? Well, you know, I think it's still it's changing a little bit. We're still maybe trying to take a, a four or five year cohort of what the transfer portal really ends up being, right? But I, I still believe in high school recruiting. I do. And I think the bulk of your team has to be made up of guys that you have brought in and who you've had in your system because it's still a developmental sport. And if you have a good coach and develop them well enough, you would hope that, you know what, that they're willing to see it through because of they're on track to do some great, great things. Um, so I do think the transfer portal, I think the numbers that we've been hitting are the, it's good for us, right? Between seven and 12 guys, you know, because typically you will have, um, I don't know, anywhere between those numbers of, of areas where you've had an injury or you lack experience or you need an impact player and guys in the portal, uh, you, you want to go get one if he can immediately make an impact, just like a junior college player, right? You don't go and recruit a junior college player unless he can right away be an impactful guy and compete for a starting spot. So I don't think it's changed much, Coop. I, I, I think, um, man, I think we stick by those principles. You just you prepare for two windows. You prepare for a transfer portal window in the winter, and then you also look at your roster and you keep assessing throughout the spring you know, how does this system fit our players? What else do we need to get? We expect to maybe lose some here and gain some here. And then we've we've suffered these couple of injuries. So we've got to have an open mind and be ready for another eight to one dozen players to come on in. Coach, when, when you look at year one in Miami and what I would ask you is like, you, you take a step back, you're, you're kind of in the, the middle of the offseason. I know you've been busy, right? Last time I talked to you, you're trying to, continue to rebuild the staff and put it together and, and recruiting is 24 seven and it never sleeps lessons learned for you from year one to year two that you feel like are a big point of emphasis for your program kind of going forward in the year two no doubt always learning man you know it uh i thought it was it was interesting we were um when we chose to come to miami you know we i was sitting there looking at my wife and i'm like you know we we spent the last 10 years either playing in a national title, playing in the playoffs, playing for a conference title, albeit one year. And we have to, we have to rebuild the program. You know, we saw um, the place where I played, you know, my favorite place in the entire world go through its worst stretch of draft picks and um, arguably its worst stretch of recruiting and culture. And we knew the challenges that were going to come with it. And it's like, that's okay. That's part of it. There's a reason We've been given this unbelievable privilege and opportunity. Let's not look at the negative things. Let's just go to work and realize, you know what? There's going to be some lumps that come with it. And once you're in it, you start realizing, okay, we had a vision, but sometimes along the way, man, you got to still find ways to adapt um, because no matter how hard you want a system to work, if you don't have the pieces in place, it's, it's not going to go so well. And then you suffer the reality of, of having a thin roster or a lack of depth. Uh, what do you learn from that? Get it done in the off season and find some depth, you know, make sure that you don't put yourself in that situation because that's, that's probably the hardest thing that you got to overcome. Uh, and we went through it and you got to own it and look at it, assess it and say, Hey man, you know what? It's ours. Let's own it as an entire organization, starting with myself and let's just shut our mouths. Let's go work. Let's go get better. Nothing can affect in any way, shape, or form, what's going on here? We're building a championship program, one piece at a time, 
And uh, when you come on down, check it out. I think you'll feel the vibe right away when you walk in the building. Coach, last question for you, and then we'll get you out of here. I know you're a busy man, but there's been recently, like in the last couple of weeks, it, it seems kind of more abundantly clear than it has been. A lot of collegiate staffers leaving for opportunities in the NFL. One, why do you think that is? And two, I mean, what what is the solution to that in terms of you? Like, I'm sure you don't want to go through this every offseason. You want the continuity of your staff knowing who's going to be in your building. You know, when when these opportunities are here, we know about the NCAA recruiting calendar and it's 24-7 and it's nonstop. But just your thoughts on that and maybe where you see that going. I'm on the opposite and I kind of I like it. And I'll say why I think every elite organization has its like weeding out process and maybe weeding out is not the right term. I just, you know, to be really good in college football, you've got to be committed to a calendar that is as challenging as it gets, brother, you know, say goodbye to weddings and parties and birthdays and all that other stuff. And know that the month of June, it's it is a beast. When I say a beast, I mean, it'll. <laughs> Come on, man. Think about it. Satellite camps, your camps, junior days, unofficial visits, official visits, youth camps. I mean, name it. Right. And then you still got to prepare for a certain opponent. So I just just I think it helps you identify and find people that really, really, really want to be in it, because if they can get through that, it's almost like, uh, I don't like boot camp. You know, you have to you really want guys that are really going to want to be in the trenches going forward because until they change the calendar, I mean, the work is the work, right? It's got to be done. So, and um, and again, man, the, I can't imagine the NFL calendars isn't as challenging for the most part, minus the offseason, right? That's the part that I think gets everybody. Um, I love recruiting, and I want to be around people that love recruiting. Coach David used to say it all the time, right? Why draft one guy in the first round where you can, if you do it right, recruit yourself, you know, a half dozen. Um is that always perfect? No, but I just I like the people, the people part of it. I love my high school coach, man. You know, I love everything that he taught me. And man, I I wanna I wanna have the same impact, the same impact that he had on us. I wanna have that on our players. And you gotta do that through connecting and investing, man. You gotta invest time. Hey, getting dudes, man. 24 7 365 it takes what it takes you know what i'm saying hey coach cristobal we appreciate you joining us you are welcome back anytime my man it was a lot of fun coach appreciate you appreciate you guys man have a great one we're going to take a quick break you're listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast every sport has their big juicy controversy boxing has the mike tyson ear bite cycling has lance armstrong Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And there you have it, Mario Cristobal, head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, joining the Oyster Boys. How about the little Oyster Boys getting the getting the big man 
on the show and talking a little bit of Miami recruiting. We haven't heard from him in a while, right, since signing day. I think this is only his his second interview, so we're going to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. But, Drew, obviously very nice of him to join us with. He's got a lot going on, man. He's a, he's a head coach right now. He's just uh, leaving team run and, and then straight on to the interview with us. But, Drew, we touched on a lot of topics with Coach Cristobal, one or two things that kind of stood out to you in our conversation. Uh, I think the first one is what he brought up about the NFL draft and him taking the job at Miami. He called it, what, one of the worst recruiting spells in a while there for the Hurricanes, and, and he's right. I mean, uh, Miami's had some NFL draft picks. Greg Russo went in the first round. Jalen Phillips, he was a he was a transfer. But you look at the, the scouting combine going on right now, Miami's got two players there. One of them is Tyreek Stevenson, who was a transfer, so – I think he he knows that you have to refortify, rebuild the roster, flip the roster, retool the roster, whatever terms you want to use. And I think what we saw this past season on the field is a lot of those guys from that 2022 class play, Nigel Lee Kelly, uh, the, the former big-time defensive end that he was recruiting to uh, Oregon, you know, Jaleel Skinner, the Alabama commit. We saw some flashes of him. I, I wish we had a little more time because I wanted to ask him about Trevante Citizen. Remember that first uh, signing day for him, not the early signing period, but signing day. That was that was kind of like the exclamation point on his first transition or on that transition class, and he gets hurt. Uh, in preseason camp, I have a hunch Trevante Citizen is going to have a big year for the Hurricanes. And, you know, he talked about that offensive line. So, you know, he knows what he's got to do in terms of getting the roster right. Miami can't play for a college football playoff and have two guys at the scouting combine. And, you know, he touched on a bunch of those guys. Like, I, I think the group that they recruited in 2023 should yield some draft picks. So that, that, that's one instant takeaway for me. Yeah, I think the, the the one for me is, you know, Francis Malgo and Samson Okanlola. He kind of underplayed it, which I think is fair. That's what you would do in that position in terms of like, all right, what is going to be the return on investment in terms of short term? I would not be shocked if either both of those guys end up being key contributors for the Hurricanes this year. And he really likes that offensive line. We talked about it before we even jumped on with him. You know, he he was talking about the group that he had at Oregon, and that's kind of what he wants to establish there. At Miami, I think he's really excited. You, you kind of brought up Nathaniel Joseph, right, and, and the comp to Tank Dell and, and the success that Shannon Dawson had at Houston. Nothing gets this guy more fired up than recruiting and talent acquisition. You can see the smile on his face because the first thing we brought up was like, hey, how many, how many guys have you talked to this morning? He lives and breathes that. That is going to be the DNA of Miami football going forward. And that's something, man, I, I think for him, the other thing you talk about is, is like, you know, we had the conversation personally about, hey, what needs to change from year one to year two? And he's like, it's a long-term vision. You know, it, it's a long-term vision. I understand the expectations of people wanting to have immediate success, but the way that he is building this, he feels is in the best interest of Miami long-term. So I think, what they're doing from a personnel standpoint, I also thought, what was the number he said in the transfer portal? I mean, it was double digits plus, right? 10 to 12 every well, he, year. He, yeah, he's 7 to 12. I thought that was interesting as well, right? Because, you know, the transfer portal, what are we in, like year five of this? And I think we're all – for five years we've been trying to figure out what is the formula when it comes to roster building, right? And I think if you're a Miami fan, 
you should be very encouraged by his statement that like, hey, I'm going to build this through high school recruiting. I still believe in high school recruiting. Uh, the quote he brought up from Nick Saban was, was certainly, um, you know, got my mind kind of churning. And I know that was kind of having to do uh, the, the why get one first round draft pick when you can go get a half dozen of them. Um, I, I thought that that was certainly notable. I, I think anyone that has listened to me in the past, you know, to me, high school recruiting is still the NFL draft. You have to hit on those picks, and then you can kind of go in free agency, aka um, the transfer portal, and, and and try to try to plug some holes. And and Miami has added some talent via the transfer portal, but he he seems to want to grow it in house. And I think that, I mean, we still again are it's an ever changing landscape in terms of the ability for players to move. They put a transfer portal windows in now, um, but I I thought. That was an interesting answer, and I think it makes sense. And again, I think if you're a Miami fan that's a little disappointed how year one went, you know, just just wait year two, year three, and you're going to see more of those guys on the field. I loved the answer of the last question that we asked about, hey, coach, we're starting to see this trend of a lot of college coaches leave for the NFL. What are your thoughts on this? And then maybe what is the solution? And like to him, it's like, you know, we joke about this, all the time, especially when it comes to him. I mean, it's it's a one-track mind. I mean, this is it. There is nothing else to him. You can do not bring up burnout to Mario Cristobal. That is not his game. You don't want to talk about it. He's 24-7, 365. I brought that up a couple, a couple of times. That's how he made his hay in this industry was sweat equity and just outworking people. And that's what he's done on the on the recruiting trail. So when you have guys opting for jobs in the NFL, which I believe is fair. I'm also a product of this. Like I will tell you, I was burnt out when I left Oregon, right? And it was a tough place to work. He was demanding, but guess what? If I'm a fan of uh, if if I'm a fan of the University of Oregon or the University of Miami and Mario Cristobal is my head coach, there's some comfort in that right? That this guy is going to outwork and going to put in the time. Yes, there's a little bit of finesse to this game as well. But the answer to me from Coach Cristobal was somewhat predictable. You kind of knew where he was going to stand on it. But he wants the dudes that he can go to war with that are going to be there, that are going to be locked in. He knows it's going to be hard. He knows he's going to put his staff through a lot. But at the end of the day, man, if you can't do it, if you can't hack it, I'll find somebody else because he believes in that program and what it represents that he feels that he can get the best people out there. The vibe I also got with the Shannon Dawson hire is that was with Tyler Van Dyke in mind, right? Getting Tyler Van Dyke back to what we saw two years ago uh, when he had such a, a hot stretch there um, was lights out in, in a few games. And it, then he takes a step back. He's dealing with injuries in 2022. It seems to me like, he thinks Shan like Shannon Dawson was brought in to match Miami's personnel. There's not going to be, all right, Shannon Dawson's here. Let's change philosophies, retool the roster uh, to fit Shannon Dawson. Does, does that make sense? It, it, like, it was like he recruited this guy to fit into what he already has and what he's bringing in. Oh, it makes sense. And, you know, obviously had a lot of high praise about – Lance Gidry as well. I thought these hires were more merit-based on substance and a little bit more in-depth in terms of the process and how they fit Miami's roster. So we'll see how that goes for Mario Cristobal. 
Uh, like we said, Drew, I made I had a lot of fun. It was our first head coaching interview. Hopefully, we're going to have more in the future, and hopefully, we can kind of get him back on uh, a little bit closer to the season. If you like the interview, guys, please make sure you just sub- subscribe to the show anywhere you find your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, a lot more, just like this. A lot more interviews uh, coming as well. Make sure you leave a rating, comment as well. A couple of you out there, Drew, I know you want to give a shout out uh to to one of our listeners who gave us a very nice review we appreciate that uh no all good man yeah yes my guy sal in in the direct messages i don't have it pulled up right in front of me you're putting on me on the spot but i I sent it to you guys last night said huge fan of the podcast he's in multiple devi leagues you know you know what devi is i I I think i do yeah so I knew we had I can't Debbie. explain it but I think I know what it is. We 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 have a Debbie uh, audience and he says you guys are usually ahead of the curve uh, uh when it comes to to highlighting some names to know in the recruiting ranks. So love love that. Uh I also got to plug Cooper. I got a busy busy weekend coming up and it's not it's not my wedding weekend. Um Thursday night IMG Academy's pro day. Your boy's going to be there riding solo. Steve Wolfong, director of recruiting was supposed to come down but Scott has got the strep throat uh, going around the house. Talked to him this morning. Doesn't sound too good. So uh, I'm going to be a one-man show in Bradenton. And then uh, on Sunday, we got Under Armour Orlando. And they sent me the roster. And uh, I haven't even read it over yet because I've been prepping for this. been doing a bunch of other stuff. Um, but that's going to be another loaded camp. So uh, stay locked to it. And then, of course, you got junior days and, and visits that the recruiting calendar is open back up. All my contacts I talk to, they're like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, re- recruiting's back underway because um, it's not going to stop until uh, July. We're cutting you off, what, Monday next week? Monday, Wedding week, gonna, right? So yeah. I want to know, Drew, as soon as Monday's over, it's done. Like, there's no more work for you the rest of the week. I need a verbal verification of that right now i'm like i'm like mario i'm wired where i can't know that that is that is that is the goal i dude, last night i was like stuffing pretzels into like bags for welcome bags um you know when i should have been watching film um and then i had my first kind of like nightmare about the wedding and like it's just like not like second thoughts or anything but i had this dream or you know, I, I like I just didn't spend any time with Morgan at the wedding. So yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a mess right now. Uh, gonna go up again on the road the next few days, hitting the Arnold Palmer on Saturday with my dad. So um, yeah, dude, just, get your just, mind right, man. Yeah, hey, I need to get if, my- you, if you gotta if you gotta delegate a little bit. If you need me, Chris, Gabe, whoever, watch a little bit more tape, dude. We can can hold it down. You know, get a good night's sleep. We don't. We, you know, listen, you're just playing it out. In your head, I'm sure I'm going to go through the same thing in a couple months. What do you think, Mario? Did he work out this morning? Do you think he did? I think he did. I think he did. I I, I think he was laughing because legit, legitimately, that's his routine. I mean, I, he would he would get there 4 a.m. typically, work out, and he'd have a Cuban cup of coffee, and then by you know, 5.15, 5.30, he started the texting process of texting the entire board, um, <laughs> which is just maniacal. And then you'd walk into his office at like 6.30 and, hey, good morning, good morning. I've, it's evening here. You know, just like he said, I mean, I mean, that's that's his work routine, man. He gets it. He gets it in. He, 
it's just different. I, I haven't met, honestly, I've worked for a lot of coaches at head coaches, assistant coaches. I haven't, I haven't met anybody that, that does that. I mean, you gotta be, I, you gotta be on the edge of a little crazy, you know? And I, and I mean that as a positive, that's a, that's a good thing. So you never were in the, in the weight room with them. Yeah. Did you run sprint? Did you run no, sprint? you totally made that up. I mean, I was like, dude, I had a, I had like a mustache and I had this nice office and corner office. I didn't, I didn't leave it. The coolest <laughs> story I had was Oregon's facility. was just beautiful. And I remember I got there and I came over as an analyst because I thought I was going to the NFL. Like I felt very confident about me landing story. a job in the NFL. Yeah, but I'm saying it to the no, you haven't heard I, the second part of this story. Okay. Okay. So I'm just saying I I like the story, is what I'm, yeah, what I'm saying. It, anyway, I end up getting the job, and with the job comes a nice office. It wasn't special to me. Anybody who worked at Oregon who had an office, it was a nice office. But it was strange to where it had two it had two openings on on either side. So it had this wall, then it had an opening on one side closer to the door, and then another opening, you know, about four feet or so on each side. And I remember I got the job and Mario comes into my office and is like, and on the other side of that, I should say, were was the rest of the recruiting department. So there were like four or five desks. So like there's like this, yeah, like this noise variant. Yeah, we called it the duck pond. And, you know, Mario walks in one day, literally, I think a day or two after I got in the job and he's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, is there anything I can do for you? And I said, yeah, it, it would. And I said, jokingly, I said, it'd be nice to close this off. So I didn't hear everything that was going on in the other room. Two days later, done, walled off. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. You know, like, so he moved like, quick. He moved like, quick like around drywall, there. like there was a drywall, someone's in there. They came in with the team and, and in two days they put up drywall. Wow. Painted too? Yeah, paint it, paint it full, full, full nine yards, man. And that wasn't just for me. That was for that was for everybody after me would be thanking me for doing that too. You know, they don't they don't have to deal with the noise on the other side. But different can, world, can you, man. Can you hang drywall? Have you ever dabbled in that? Are you a man what of do trade? You think? No, him him giving me the shout out for running with the team never happened. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not an athlete. It was never I was always the guy watching from the office with a cup of joe who hadn't showered in a day or two. You know, that was me. But we can uh we can only wish, my friend. All right, Drew. Let's get ready for the weekend, huh? You feeling pretty good? We got some golf on this weekend. Is it the players? API, Arnold Palmer Invitational. API. Dude, I was watching a video. Shout out to the uh foreplay pod. I was watching them do a, a scramble with uh Billy Horschel last night at TPC Sawgrass. That was really great, entertaining video. Love that. Dude, the other thing is, I probably spent like four hours yesterday while I was working. Just working on my takeaway. So if there's any golfers out there that can give me a hand, I got way too many swing thoughts. Got to get that takeaway right. But let's get out of here, Drew. We're rambling on. For Andrew Ivins, producer of Lance Glenn, I'm National Recruiting Analyst. For the second, guys, we appreciate you joining. As always, we'll be back next week. Hope you enjoy. Thank you. 
Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.